AIA Digital Marketing. I actually thought that the green meant you were recording. Well, uh, no, the red means I'm recording, which is right. why I'm record- recording now. Okay, <laughs> cool. How are you, Joe? I'm good, thank you, Billy. How are you going? Good, thanks. Welcome to the Billy Polson's show. Joe Fillimore today, talking sales and persuasion. Joe is a pommy um, and was born in Pommyland, otherwise known as England, and has been in sales for just a touch under 15 years now. Joe, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. What do you call Aussie land? Um, a couple of pouches short of a roo. Mm. I've been told that, that that's one insult that's often flung at Aussies. <laughs> uh, what's another one? Down under. Down under. Yeah. Down, Down under, mate. Joe. Right. So, so tell me a bit about your uh, experience in sales, Joe. What was your first sales role? Yeah, so uh, my first sales role was at uh, National, uh, uh, used to be the National Gas Company. It's now the British Gas Company. Yes. Uh, which was a sales, uh, a service, a customer service and sales role, basically. Yes. So a lot of inbound uh, you know, service inquiries and you were upselling people into uh, greater services, basically. Fantastic. Did yeah. you enjoy it? No. Why not? Well, it was customer service, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So right. I did that for um, six and a half years. Yes. Uh, for five years, I was employed, and for the last year and a half, I was on uh, redundancy, voluntary redundancy, but they kept asking me to stick around. Cool. Because of the great, uh, global financial crisis. Yes. And, so uh, did that, wait a minute, did you still get paid? Yes. And but did, you didn't, did you have to do any work? Yes. Okay. They just so, kept pushing me back. So nothing changed? They kept pushing me back, you know, okay. six months. Yeah, it was right. voluntary redundancy, so it was, it was my, my you know, choice to leave. GFC redundancy. GFC, 2008. I see. Yeah. Yes. Right, kicking the nuts. Yes. And so you were in that job for quite a while? Yeah, six and a half years, I think. Didn't like it? No. Nah. But you were there for quite a while? Well, I also worked 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., so that was quite good. That really suited uh, my lifestyle at the time. Which was? Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Doing what, though? Um, yeah, you know, waking up late. Yes. Rolling into work late. Just being, just being 20. Yeah, right. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. Staying up late. Staying up very late, yeah. Yeah, doing what? Well, when the dawn would, yes. like, when the dawn would break, you know, when the sun would rise, that was yes. when I was like, oh, shit, I've stayed up just a touch too late. Yes. Okay. That's when I knew. Yeah, right. To put the bong down and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so you were smashing the Susie Wongs where you go at the age of 20. A couple of bamboo schooners. I think we've all done that. Of course, yeah. It's, yeah. Part, of, uh, it's part of growing up, I think. Yeah, cool. So, so you left that role, mm-hmm. and is that when you moved to Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. I, I actually hopped on a bicycle, yes, uh, and I rode out of Leicester, which is where yes. I'm from, past my nan's house, right. who, uh, who, who sadly passed away this year, last year. Sorry to hear that. Nice, thank you. And she was ninety. Yes, okay. she was very, very old. Good innings. Great innings. Yeah, yep. yeah, fantastic woman. And um, yeah, got on a got on a ferry over to uh, uh, the Hook of Holland, right, which is uh, Holland. Right. Cycled around Europe for a few uh, months. Right. And then winter nice. came. Sleeping in and smoking bongs or did you give it the kick? Uh, do you it's know not what? good for the cycling. It's not good for you the cardio, what? Joe. I was, I was in Rotterdam right. and um, they've got this, <clears throat> if you know somebody who knows somebody, yes. then you can get, it's called dust. Right. And you can you can go into the cafe and you can order, you know, you like to the guy behind the counter, hey man, hey man, hey, I want, you know what I want? Yeah. I want dust. Yes. And the guy's like, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You can, it, buy something off the menu, you know, have something. We've got loads of weed here, it's brilliant. You know? Yes. No, 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 listen, listen. I want, <laughs> I want the fucking dust. Yeah. And the guy goes, okay. <laughs> so he comes back with this tiny pouch of, of whatever. Yeah. And then you sprinkle it on, you know, whatever. on, on whatever. Yeah. And you smoke it. 
And then about two days later, you come around. Yeah. And it's all kind of <laughs> fucked up. So I basically haven't smoked weed since then. Yeah, right. <laughs> it turned you off. That was, that was my last time. Okay. Mm. So so then you got out of uh, the smoggy haze of Holland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And found yourself in uh, where? Uh, well, I fucked around Europe for a couple of months. Yes. Until it started snowing. Yes. Um, and then in uh, in Prague. Yes. I got on a plane. Yep. And flew to Bangkok. I spent six months cycling around Southeast Asia. <laughs> yeah, right. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was a lot, a lot of, of fun. cycling. A lot of cycling, yeah. Right. I do like a week on, week off. You yeah. cycle somewhere yeah. you know, for a week. You do yeah. 100, 200 k's a day. So it wasn't yes. over the top. Over like five, and was this on your own hours. or were you with other people? I was, primarily I was on my own. Yeah. Uh, when I actually landed in Bangkok about three days, uh, maybe no, maybe a week in, yep. I was in a, a town called uh, Ayutthaya or I. Ayutthaya, I think. Okay. Uh, which is an old capital. And then some dude um, uh, rocked up on a, on a piece of shit push bike with his uh, backpack across the back. Right. And he was like, hey, you're cycling around Thailand. Hey, man, I just bought this bicycle for like 20 bucks. I'm cycling around Thailand too. And it was a proper piece of shit. It was amazing. <laughs> this guy was like zero preparation. Yes. It was very inspiring. Yes. Because I'd come with this full like $2,000 bike, uh, bicycle, uh, fucking $100 bags on every corner of it. I got a laptop yeah. in there because I was like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to stay in touch and don't want to get lost. I had, I had all my clothes packed in. Yep. Um, w- within, within about a month, I'd, I'd shed about 45 kilos of weight off this bike because yes. the, the shit that I packed. <laughs> but I had, uh, yeah, I had the tent, I had, you know, the sleeping roll, I had loads of stuff. And this yeah, guy cool. just comes along, right, with a, like, a, 60 liter backpack or whatever that he's had on the plane to go backpacking around Thailand. Yes. And he just gets off the plane. Yes. Goes into the next bike shop he sees and it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take that very, very second-hand bike, please. <laughs> Straps his backpack to the back of it yeah. and just fucking goes. Yeah, cool. It was amazing. Right. It was amazing. I was very inspired. Yeah, right. And so you, you pedaled around with him for a while? Uh, yeah, for like uh, maybe 10 days. Okay. But it felt like a lot longer at the time. Yeah, right. Just, you know, very intensely with one person. Yes. Cycling, just doing one thing with one person. Yes. Um, so that was quite cool. Yeah, he was cool. A, he was a dude called Brecht and he was from... Uh, uh, Bruges in Belgium. Yes. yes, and I'd very recently visited Bruges in Belgium. There you go. Like, oh, okay, Do you, are cool. you still in touch with with this gentleman? Uh just Facebook. Yeah, right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. They're cool, like, man. oh, how you going? Yeah, yeah. What's going on? So, did then where did you go from from Thailand? Uh, where did I go from Thailand? I got up to um, got up to Chiang Mai, which is the top of Thailand. Yep. Uh, Cross the the Mekong into um, uh, um, Laos. I right. think it is. Yes, Laos. And then, uh, and then uh, met up with a few uh, Aussie teachers from uh, Mildura, out Mildura way. Yes. Who were on their Christmas break because it's about Christmas time. Yes. So, you know, Christmas holidays in, uh, in Australia take, take five weeks off and yes. get out of the country. Right. So these piss heads were just, just completely off chops the entire time. Yes. Uh, and then there's this slow boat that goes down the Mekong for three days. Yes. We bought something like 12 litres of this Thailand rum. Yes. Which is like, might have been rum, mud and whiskey. There's something in it. There's something in it. <laughs> right. Uh, and then the next day we bought another 12 litre. <laughs> so you partied on. Yeah, we had partied a good time. Yeah. yeah. And there's, right. there's, there's like, fam- this boat is like a big long barge thing, right? Yes. And there's like families on this boat. There's individuals. There's, you know, couples. Like, yes. it's, it's, a, it's a very basic boat, but there's yeah. a lot of people on it. And yeah. you just slow, it's called the slow boat. You slowly go down this, you know, the big river, Mekong. Cool. The big river in, in uh, that, that cuts... It's Thailand on one side and Laos on the other side. Yes. And you go down this thing for you know, three days, yep. stopping off in towns to, to, for accommodation or whatever. Yep. I can't remember how much it cost. It wasn't a great deal of money. Yep. Um, 
and we were just at the back. There was like maybe 15, 15 of us at this point at the back of this boat. Yes. Very fucking loud. Yes. Very, very drunk. <laughs> yeah. Hissing off everybody else. Yeah, yeah, cool. It was a good, it was a fun time. It sounds like a fun time. Yeah, cool, I'll do it again. Man. Yeah, you would? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Any highlights? Uh, no, I think maybe just um, sitting on top of the boat, you know, you, you pull yourself up on top of the barge where they don't want you to be. And, yes, and, we're not uh, meant to be. Not meant to be. and just uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, get down. Like, oh, you okay? Yeah. yeah. And then you don't. <laughs> uh, just enjoying, yeah, being being in the middle of fucking Southeast Asia. Yeah, with, yeah. You know, no fucking shirt on. Thailand on one side of this river you're on, this big fucking river, and then Laos on the other. It's, uh, yeah, nice. it's a very cool time. Very cool. Yeah. So what made you decide to leave? You had to get out of there. Did you run out of money or you weren't, were you working at all while you were there? In Thailand? Yeah. Oh, the visa. Oh, you know, right. I, wanted to, I wanted to obviously see other countries. Yes. But my visa ran out two days earlier. So I had to okay. pay him 20 bucks at the border or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I bummed around uh, Laos for a bit. That was yep. cool. Cycled through. Yep. Got down to, uh, back into Thailand, uh, back to Bangkok. Yep. Uh, over to Myanmar, visa run, back to Bangkok, back yep. to, uh, no, down to uh, Cambodia. So I literally crisscrossed the country like three wow. or four times. And what was that like? Like, what was it like riding your pushy? Is, he, is this all on the pushy? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. It was wicked. And yeah, right. Yeah. It would have been. Yeah, I it imagine it would have been cool. Yeah. So meeting people every day, talking to people, finding other people, riding their pushies around, hanging out with them, getting pissed. Yeah. Getting smashed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Partying yeah. on. There was, a few time, there was a few times actually like, like you'd meet other people on the road yes. and they'd be like oh well obviously you're the kind of person who does this and I'm the kind of person so we'll go, just go together I'm like yeah okay cool <laughs> and two days later you're like oh yeah you are that kind of person <laughs> <laughs> but enough of you oh, okay uh, uh, listen I'm tired yeah. uh, so you just you go yeah. actually I'm going this way yeah I'm meeting somebody <laughs> something's come up uh, I can't do this anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> other guys you know it's cool yeah cool and then um, so so what year was it that you arrived in Australia 2013 okay while back now, while back. Yeah, yeah, eight years this year. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, cool. And yeah. and so, why Australia? Uh, my my brother lives here. Yes, uh, he lives here with his Australian wife. Yes, uh, they had they had had a kid six months earlier. Yes, so I was like their their first child, so I thought I'll come and check out Australia. Yeah, cool. You know, it's a Western country. You can earn some money. I can go continue traveling Southeast Asia or uh, South America. Yep. Um, but I landed here. Um, met my. Beautiful niece, six months old. Yep. Took over her room for a bit. Beautiful. She wasn't very happy with that. <laughs> six months what, old. While so. she was in there? So, no, no, they, the, okay. the parents took, uh, took, took her, her into, into their, their room. room. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. So it's just a small two-bedroom apartment, right? Yeah, but, nice. Uh, that was good of them, man. That oh, was it was, good of, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was amazing, yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh, super thankful for it. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it, was, it was great. Did you help out with the baby, or were you like, "That's not my gig"? I was, I was a full time babysitter. I yeah. didn't sign up for this. I mean, I was, I was there crying for again. Five weeks, sorted out. Nah, she's a good, <laughs> she's a good kid. Yeah, right. I was there for five weeks, six weeks, maybe. Yeah, cool. And uh, just kicking it. Nice man. Yeah, it was good. You know, I was just a bit of help and that sort of thing. And yep, uh, got a job, and inevitably that job was in sales. And um, um, actually, it was in a, a, a directory. Yes, in Sydney, here in Sydney. Yep. Uh, so selling this directory space, right? Where the claim was, you know, we've got twenty thousand eyeballs on this um, directory every day. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a website. Yeah, cool. Um, so give us three hundred and fifty bucks, and we'll put you in this directory. Yeah, cool. And, and was that was that your first experience in selling online stuff? Yes. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and I got the job because I said to the guy, "I've got the good sales experience." Yes. He was like, "You know, you got that. That's, that's brilliant." Yep. Why do you want this job? And the entire I, my one line response was one word response was online. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I want to get into online, man. Yeah, it's the it's the future, hey, it's the go. Right, everybody's moving here, right? You can sell anything if it's online. Yes, 
And uh, yeah, and that was it. So uh, five weeks later, yep. when he let me go. Cause, uh, he let you go five weeks later? <laughs> yeah. Well, why? I don't know why he gave me five weeks. I right. couldn't. I couldn't sell it. You couldn't say it was a. It was a. It was garbage product. Uh, okay, but was he letting everyone go five weeks later, or just you? Nah, pretty much just me. I'm sure there was other people. So it then, was. It was. A, it was a churn and burn kind of operation. Okay. Um, I mean, that kind of says it might not have just been the product, though, Joe. Well, I don't know if you noticed. It wasn't actually on my CV. Were you good at sales when you started? I was when I started. <laughs> uh, I got better. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, but in the meantime, I picked up a job with a, a digital marketing agency. So this, cool. it's it's a it's a, a stepping stone system, right? Yes. You start you start in in customer service, yep. and you well, I did now in my path. You start in customer service, and you you're selling, you're cross selling products to people who've already got products. Yes. Or they're calling in to inquire about products, right? So yes. the, the aim of the, the game there is a not to fuck it up. Yes. And b to identify in their eyes something that they will need. Yes. Um, with those services, so that was that was sort of my. My first taste, and that was, yeah, way back when. Yeah, cool. Um, moving then to, yeah, an online um, anything. Yes. Uh, it wasn't the right step. Yeah, the directory thing. Me or anybody, really. Yeah. Yeah, the directory, <laughs> not that place. They were big. They used to be big directories. They've all kind of died off a bit now. You've still got a few yeah. big ones in Australia, I think. but True local. Yeah, yeah, high pages. Yep. Um, what else is there? A directory. Um, the true local actually uh, used to be ALS, which my previous guest built and sold to News Corp, oh, David Maiman, okay. who you've met. Yes. Um, cool. So so how long were you at that second job for the digital marketing agency? Uh, two and a half years. Okay, yeah. cool. Chasing a, uh, uh, chasing a visa. Yes. Um, but at the same time, very, very similar to this, the role I'm in today, yep. um, it's digital marketing. So you were, it was a Google AdWords uh, premier partner. Yep. That was their core service. Yep. Uh, and in the time that I was there, they branched out into um, SEO as yep. well. And then right... Close to the end of, of, of when I was there, which was you know, six years ago now. Yes, they started into uh, Facebook ads. Yeah, well. cool. I'm sure along with you know in line with most of the market. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Facebook kind of took off. Yeah, around that time, I yeah. guess. Yeah, especially as a managed service that agencies started selling. I think it was people. I think it, you know Facebook ads were around before then for quite some time. 2007. Right, but people weren't buying off Facebook yet. No, people weren't. It, people were more pissed off. About the fact that there was an ad in their news feed I think, all of a sudden. I know? think people weren't, weren't advertising on Facebook. Yes. Certainly not in the volume they do today. Yeah. And, and and also, like, I don't think consumers were used to seeing an ad on Facebook and then going through and making a purchase from that ad. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't what we did, no. you know, then. Uh, but then there was the golden time, right, where Facebook kind of was, was still cheap because not a lot of people were advertising on it and yeah. people were buying off it. So some, some people made, made bank out of that. Yes, absolutely, know? yeah. Yeah. And some people still do today, but it's more competitive for sure. It's it yes, yeah. It's certainly more commoditized. Yeah. So so what did you learn in your sales role there? If we if we were to talk about maybe three or four main principles that you think are important when trying to persuade someone, um, what would you what would you say is probably the most important things that you've learned so far? Uh, when I was at when I was that agency or, or so far? Just generally speaking, the most important principles. Um, to have in mind when you're when you're pitching a prospect, you're trying to persuade someone, you're trying to sell a product and, and make sure that you know um, you're getting the highest possible closing rate from the leads that you're getting or something like that. Um, there's a few things that I'm hyper conscious of on every single interaction, if you like, with any sales, um, with any sale. Yes. Um, firstly, and I think the thing that I found the most success with, the yes. thing that really clicked it on for me, the thing that was the, for me personally anyway, the number one thing, 
is to be relaxed. Yes. I think just from, you know, you can be as genuine as you want, you can be as excitable as you want, but the number one thing that you need to be when you're trying to, trying to sell to somebody yes. is not to look like you're trying. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of people could smell desperation, right? Yes. If you, if you come across as desperate, I think you've lost it. That's it. I hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You might cool. get a, you might get a pity bang, right? They might throw you a bone. Yes. But uh, for the most part, you're not gonna not gonna go go well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, can you remember a time when maybe you were finding it um, difficult to make sales, and you identified what that reason was? Um, maybe for the listeners, someone might be listening. They're in a sales role, or they're trying to persuade their boss to give them a pay rise, or you know, they're trying to persuade the people in their life and, and have more have more persuasion power, generally speaking, in their personal life. What do you think that um, might help if you were to think back to a time where you're finding it difficult to mm. achieve these outcomes, figured out what it was and implemented the change? Well, I mean, yeah, I think that, that says all really is, is figuring out what it is and implementing a change. Yes. Um, I think you need, there's a few things I like to fall back on. Um, selling anything. I don't just mean selling somebody on the phone like we do here. Yes. I mean... When you're selling anything, there's a few things you need to just just fall back into. Um, firstly, is, is having confidence in yourself is really really important. Yep, and I think that comes through a lot in the authenticity, if you like, of what it is you're saying. Yes. Right? If you're not if you're not believing what you're saying, if you're not confident with what you're saying, it it comes through. No matter how good of an actor you are, no matter how well you're covering that up. Yep, that uncertainty comes through in everything you you put out right? yeah your, man your body language your your tone of voice the the way your eyes connect or don't or you know how you how you're shifting your shifting your head or whatever yes where you're rolling your shoulders the way you're fucking crossing your arms or not crossing you know whatever it is it all yep. comes out yep it's all very very clear i think on a on a uh, fundamental level so yes when people are paying attention to you so i think making sure that uh, i guess in that sense you know your shit yep is really really important yep being able to um Provide value is the key there, yep. I think. Um, and whether that's whether that's approaching your boss for a pay rise, yep. whether it's selling a, a client for a, a new product, yes. whatever you're doing, you're there to provide value. Yes. So how do you do that? That's, that's the main thing I'd, ask, I'd be asking myself. Yes. How can I provide value? Because yep. you've got to remember, you're not at work to be paid for the hours that you're there. Right. Uh, unless you're a... a Unless you're in a customer service role, or you're, you know, on yeah, the you're checkout. making transactions, you know, at the checkout, exactly. Yeah, yep, yeah. You are there to provide value, right? Which means you can. That, that's why some people, despite one person working forty hours a week and getting two grand a week, and yeah. another person working forty hours a week and getting ten, that's right. The difference is the value, right, that they yeah. bring. So yeah, there are CEOs who make a million dollars a year, yeah, or, or ten million dollars a year. Right? That's right. And are they are they doing more than somebody who's working a checkout? Right. And they really, you know. Realistically, sure, they're probably doing a bit more. Yeah, but are they doing? Are they doing? You know, ten well, million times more. And not no. only that, they're probably working less hours. Yes, <laughs> definitely. You know, maybe they're more stressed and thinking about it after work. But you know, it's not about the hours. Actually, they're probably working more hours. Yeah, I, I'd have thought. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I'd like to be in a role and not be working all that many hours and getting ten million dollars <laughs> a year. <laughs> it's the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, Joe. So um, I got to I got to tell you a story about a sales guy that we had here. Um, once um, I won't I won't actually say his name but he was the most amusing salesperson to watch in fact there's a couple over the years because there was a call center I was running years ago where we had like 15 or 20 people in there and that was crazy times um, but there was there was one guy uh, in particular who the spray and pray approach was an understatement right right he he would literally just bulldoze the crap out of them 
until they gave him his their credit card to get rid of him. <laughs> like it, it, like on it the, worked on the same phone call or like yeah. multiple calls. Uh, well, I think that I think a lot of his sales were first calls because they just needed him to go away and stop talking. All right, but they were small products. It was two three hundred bucks. Right? Yeah. So it wasn't like asking for the same stuff that we're yeah. kind of selling now, five, ten thousand bucks, you know. Um, so that that was a lot of fun. He was a crazy kid. And another guy who uh, who would just come up with new things to say every day, right? I think I might have told you a couple of these before, but one day he uh, he rang a guy to try to sign him up on advertising and he said, um, I just overheard him and he said, oh, what, you're with Yellow Pages? Which was a, which was a, a, um, a regular kind of objection that mm. we'd get. And he just leaned back. He said, um, you're with Yellow Pages, mate. Why put all your eggs in one basket? Why don't you fertilize them and, I don't know, share them around? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of his lines. And the other time he started calling a lady named Ch- uh, Charlotte, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she, she bought yeah. from him? Yeah. No. Mm. No, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardly anyone did. But he was so amusing, we had to keep him around. <laughs> it was so much fun. It's not about the hours you put in, yeah, it's yeah. about the value you bring. <laughs> That's right. Uh, another time, what was another one? He, um, Yeah, he came up to me and he said, Billy, I've got this guy on the phone, uh, you know, and I could see that he still had the phone quite close to his face and he tried to sort of cover the speaker, but it wasn't covered at all. And he said, I've got this guy on the phone, Billy, and he used to do this every day. Uh, I've got him. He's he's just about to cross the line, mate. You know, I'm going to get his credit card. I just he's he's just a real fucking tight ass. Um, so can I do him a deal? And I'd say something like this one particular time. I said, "Sure, Carlos," because I knew the guy just heard what he said. Yep. I said, "Sure, man. Half price." He goes, "Oh, oh, really? Half price? All right. Yeah, yeah, cool, mate. I can give you half." Hello. You there? You there, mate? The guy's just hung up on him because he's called him a tight ass. Oh, poor man. Yeah, yeah. Ah, shame. That was a lot of fun. Half price, what a deal. Yeah, man. We used to have all sorts of crazies turning up in that call center. But but there's, you know, I think it takes a certain type of person to be a salesperson. You know, like he, he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't really one of the types of salespeople you might, you might call like a, um, a, that was high up in the levels of the sizes of sales that he's make yep. or how sophisticated his pitch was or yep. the products that he was able to sell. Yep. But he would come in every day and he would pick up that phone and he would just smash the calls. Yep. Um, and he would not leave people alone either. Like, you know, it was over the top. His, his calendar was just packed full of people who had told him to piss off five times yeah, at least. You need that, man. You need, especially <laughs> if you're running a call center environment. Yeah, you, yeah. You need that. Yeah, man. You need the bullish, the bullheaded, yes, you yeah. know, that, that kind of attitude. I think it goes, you know, the 80-20 rule? Yes. 80% of your sales come from 20% of your sales people. Yes. Or 20% of your products. Yes. And conversely, right, you you chase 80% of your of your clients. Yes. 20% of your That's fucking, right. fucking income. Yeah, look, my grandfather was a... um. Uh, a very successful insurance sales guy, and he won the um, Gold Ribbon Award um, at AMP for insurance sales twenty mm. years in a row, um, and was taken on wow. all sorts of trips. He was very successful, wow. um, and so he's he's given me a lot of tips in sales along the way. And he's very personable, yeah. likable, interesting, but also more so interested in other people kind of guy. Yes, right, and that that was I think one of the keys for him. But um, he he at one stage, you know, back before computers. <laughs> Um, he at one stage um, pulled out his uh, his diary and went back and looked through all the meetings he's had he'd had and realized that he barely made any sales from the people he met more than twice mm, mm. 
right? So, so he made a new rule that he would only ever meet people twice. And his sales went up as a result of that because yeah, he stopped right. chasing these these people with three, four, five meetings, you know, and taking up his time on that. Yeah. So I think that Smart it's definitely selling. yeah, yeah. The China Reg is what what he taught me that that philosophy where you keep those people in your calendar, you know, to call back makes the, you feel good. Yeah, to give Looks yourself good. some hope. Yeah, there's someone you talk out. to your sales manager and they're saying, oh, what have you got? You know, yeah, talk me through your calendar. Look, yeah. let me have a look at it. That's right. And you just open this, this, this fucking two hundred strong week. You're like, ah, oh, you know what, <laughs> mate, you're good. You go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but also emotionally, you like you look at it and you go, you know, I've got all this lined up. These people want to talk to me. Yeah, you know, like it, it, you, you can't be a, a thin-skinned guy or girl if you're going to be good at sales. No, that's fair. You, you know, I, I think that I think that you got to roll with the punches. You got to roll with the punches, man. You need to you need to be willing to feel rejected. Yes, you know, occasionally. But the best way to combat that is to have more irons in the oven. Yes, you know what I mean. Like if you've got if you've got ten deals lined up, and one of them says, "No, nah, I've decided I'm going with someone else," or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt as nearly as much. No. You know, if you're hanging on to that one guy. If you're a farmer in a field and you're planting fucking rice. Right. Or wheat or whatever, yeah. right? Wheat picks. Wheat, you're farming wheat picks here. <laughs> Cheerios. Yeah, it's my favorite type of farmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, you know, you, you, plant, you plant all these seeds. Right? Yeah. You've got a, a fucking acre. I, I know nothing about farming, but right. you've got an acre of field, an right? An acre you, or two. Whatever. Yeah. 3,000 hectares. You've got your plough. I don't know. you got your plough. you got yeah. your cow. <laughs> Come by an harvester. you got your fucking gear, right? <laughs> and you go out there and you and you, you, you plough your field and you plant your seeds and you yeah. turn the soil back over, I imagine, to get them, you know, deep in the ground. Yes. And you, you wait fucking, you know, you wait a bit of time. Yes. And in that time, you go and plant another field and another one and another one and another one and another one and yes. so on, right? And you come back. And it's been a it's been a hot year. Right? It's been a real real tough year for farmers. Right? Yes, it's been a drought. It's been whatever. Um, but some of your some of your farms are closer to water, right? Or close to the river. Some some of your fields are closer to the river. Yes, so they get water. They get irrigated, right? Yes. You don't worry about the. This isn't the best analogy. You don't worry about the, <laughs> the couple, it? It? the couple <laughs> yes. that went to waste, right? The no, couple of fields. That's right. You look at the fucking yeah twenty that went that, that went, went good. That were good. That you that's can harvest. Right, that you can bring back in. Exactly. You need that. You, need you know that. what I mean? If, yeah. you, if you've got one little s- seed that you've planted in the ground, I was going to start with watering a, a freaking sprout. Just one right? field, and I just I end up with more fields, and that's not what I was aiming for. That's where that's I a went. Fantastic analogy. Yeah, I Joe. fucked it up. No, it was. Good. But you don't you don't worry about like losing a few seeds. You don't I worry about get you, the point. You plant some seeds on the edge of the field, and they don't grow. Yes. That's okay. Fuck it. Forget those. <laughs> Find all these fields in the. Find yes, all these seeds in the you field. Need more fields. <laughs> you need more fields. I get the point. <laughs> and listen, next yeah. year, yeah, you can plant them again. Yes, right. There's then there's even more fields. Right. Yes. Fantastic analogy. If you're listening joke. at home. You can take that one away with you. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So so. I think with sales. One of the most important things is listening. I, I I can't emphasize that enough. Yes. I think that that is probably, you know, because even in life, right, to be able to listen to people and comprehend what they're saying and pay attention, especially nowadays with smartphones and mm-hmm. all of the distractions we've got, is a skill. And a lot of people don't have it, mm. right? Like they're, they're, they're really bad at it. Um, you know, and, and I'm really bad at it unless I put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Right? Okay. Because, because I'm way more interested 
in what I've got to say <laughs> about me and what I think than what anyone else has got to say, yeah. right? But then my whole world opened up when I realized this and started listening to people, you know, and, and understanding that, like, the most fascinating thing in my world is other people. Mm-hmm. They're the most interesting thing that there is, right? Mm-hmm. And and so when, when I found that I started listening to people, it made a big difference, uh, you know, in, in not only sales, uh, which I was really bad at when I started. Really? Um, yeah. I'd, okay. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have my headset on. I was selling Google ads. And uh, I literally had my head on the table because I was so tired from staying up all night. And I would just why, put why my... Are you, why were you staying up all night, Bill? Um, I was young. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wouldn't say all night, every night. I would get some sleep. But... Um, you know, I just I was just partying on, man. I had friends. We'd we'd play video games. I'd go out to pubs. You know, yeah. Yep. Just just kind of hit paint the town red. It's right? the curse of the young. It is the curse of the young, but it's also better to be done while you're young. Uh, absolutely, right? like, it's better to stop as well before yeah, you get too old. You're not going to get away with that if you're seventy, no. right? Like, I mean, I hope one day I might be able to when I'm seventy, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm going to be damn tired. I want to go back to doing that when I'm, I'm 70. thirty-six and I'm tired. Right? <laughs> A lot of the time because yeah. of my daughter who's beautiful and worth it. But my point is I had my head on the desk. I had my headset on. I'd pick my head up to dial a number or click on the button on the screen or whatever and I'd put my head back down and I'd talk to them with my head on, my, on the desk. But the first time I got a commission slip with some sales on it and I got paid some extra money, my whole world changed. That became my addiction. I was I was obsessed with the idea of having a job that if I worked harder I got paid more immediately right not not if I work hard for a year or two I might get a promotion and a pay rise it was like <clears throat> if I work hard this week I get paid more next week mm. right and that that for me was just that just made me very hungry for more um, it's a powerful thing, hey. Yeah, commission. Yeah, yeah. regular commission. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think months and months commission is a, a tough pill. Yeah, it takes too long. Takes you know, long. I'm, I'm impatient. You know, that, that's that's a long time. But but fortnightly commission, weekly commission, that that, that can make a big difference. Yeah. So I think that um, I think that um, that was definitely a uh, uh, a turning point for me in that role, getting my first commission slip. And another turning point for me was reading a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> Now, I still don't have any friends, but I'm able to influence people. <laughs> I, I thought that might come up at yes. some point. Yeah, the book? Okay. The book, yes. Oh, it's got to come up, man. It's a life-changing book. It is a fantastic people book. People underestimate this book. The title turns them off. It's 80 years old. It's 80 years old. You, he, the guy's talking about, you know, um, presidents of the United States that, you know. You've I, never heard of. You know, that's right. Never fucking heard of. Or, or st- the stories are so out of date, but it doesn't yeah. matter because the, the principle's the same. Yes. Right? What he's saying is the same. Yeah. And it's still incredibly effective today. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I think that also the principles need to be brought into context in the 21st century. Like if I call a guy up and I start talking to him about the football team that won on the weekend, mm. even if he's into footy, he's, it's not going to build rapport, right? Because he's going to feel like this guy's just trying to turn up the clock on his call stats or well, that, something. Is that, you know? That's exactly right. Yeah. And rapport isn't like talking to somebody and, and having something that you, you know, you both have in common, have in common right. and hope that that works, that you then become friends. Yes. Right? Rapport is having a genuine interest in people, in yes. somebody, in their interests. And yes. if there is common ground there, then genuinely connecting on that on Definitely. that level. 
definitely. And I'll tell you also, more more so these days, I think, um, than maybe might have been the case back in the day mm-hmm. when the book was written or when my grandfather was selling um, insurance, uh, people don't have time today, right? They're, they're stressed and they're, they're, they're impatient and they're, um, they're in a rush. So, so I think today what builds rapport is being sharp, switched on, not mucking around, um, enthusiastic, positive, and someone that if you can help them reach their goals, if you, you come across as someone that they believe can legitimately help them reach their goals, yeah, then that, that builds the kind of rapport that you want to build with a prospect, right? I agree. How yeah. do you, how do you um, imbue that into your sales staff, though? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think that regular training, and I also think that it's lead by example, Right, so, um, you know, the the type of attitude that I try to um, encourage uh, here, and I think that a lot of a lot of sales teams and successful businesses um, encourage is uh, one of uh, positivity and enthusiasm and energy, rather than fear of consequence. Right, yeah. I, I don't believe in the stick mentality at all. No. If if there's someone in this agency that needs that I need to pull the stick out for on a regular occasion, then they're the wrong person for the job, right? And, I mean, if you're going to pull the stick out as well, if you're going to do that, mm. if you are that kind of manager who, who, who lambasts people in front of their peers and right. has a go at them, you know, privately or, or, or publicly, yes, that person does not leave that uh, encounter yes. in a good mood. No, not that enthusiastic or enthusiastic. encouraged. Right. No. There's two they ways to break in a horse, right? Think, I'm going to do some fantastic work right now. No, but there is two ways to break in a horse. I've seen a wildly successful um, accountancy firm, finance, finance firm, um, run by a guy <clears throat> uh, who would, on a regular basis, pull someone into his office and tear shreds off them, mm. like scream from the rafters at them. Um, you know, and, and, and his staff members were legitimately terrified of him, right? And they worked bloody hard because of it. Right? Right. Like just it, didn't, they didn't want to be in that room. <laughs> So, so I think it can work. I'm yeah. not saying that there's no stick and there's no, there's no, but what I'm saying is it's the type of environment I'd prefer to be working in is one where everyone's here because they want to be, they're, in, they're, they're, they're bought into the vision and they're enthusiastic about the opportunities and excited about the opportunities that lay ahead, right? So I, I think that that's one thing. Another thing is um, that I've learned over the years, it's basic EQ stuff, Joe. Yep. It's EQ, emotional intelligence. I don't know what the Q stands for. Quotient. Thank you. Okay. So, Like IQ is your intelligence quotient? Yes. EQ is your emotional quotient? Uh-huh. Okay, mean, cool. I think it literally... Does it mean number? I've got no idea. No, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Look it up. Someone, Jamie, Jamie look it up. Jamie. <laughs> we need a Jamie. Jamie, just pull that up on the screen, will you? <laughs> and don't interrupt. No, not that, not that article. The other article, Jamie. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So... Emotional intelligence is where it's at. Any fool, like it says in How to Win Friends and Influence People, can criticise. Anyone can criticise. It's so easy to complain, bitch, whinge and moan and criticise people, right? The, the smart thing to do is to understand that that's not going to have the desired effect, yes. right? You can be pissed off with someone and you can be assertive about that. But if you start criticising them, you're going to lose them. They're going to be offside. Yes. And I'm a big believer in keeping people onside if you yes. want to get the best out of them if you want to be able to push people and get the best out of them and if you want them to be there when you need them to put the extra effort in you're not going to get that from someone who you've been criticizing for the last three years mm. right like they're, they're no longer on your side no so so i think that sales and emotional intelligence 
go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I think that there's nothing more important than that. You can get someone whose maybe IQ is not the best. You can get someone who does not know all that much about the product. You can get someone who doesn't know all that much about, you know, the traditional kind of selling techniques and sales, like handling objections and closing techniques and opening techniques and all of that stuff, which can help. Yes. But if you get someone who's, who's got a high level of emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. who doesn't just listen to what the prospect is saying, but understands what, how they feel, what they need, the way that they said it. Yes. Right, that's that's the thing. Everything you say is saying two things: what you said and how you said it. <clears throat> right? If I say, "Great job today," um, you know, Dave. If I go, "Gee, Dave, you did a great job today." Yep. That's saying something different to if I go, "Yes, gee, Dave, you did a great job today." Right? One sarcastic, obviously. Of course, yeah. But the point that I'm making is that I'm saying two different things, even though I've said the same thing. So it's all about the tonality. It's um. It- it's the, it's the old uh, people don't remember what you said. Right. You, they remember how you made them feel. Yeah, when you said it. That's right. And and uh, another one of our favorites, Jim Rowan, who we often talk about, said that there is nothing more powerful than words mixed with emotion. Mm. And I think I think there's nothing further from – I mean, think about Hitler, right? Nothing but emotion, that guy. That was all words and emotion. Yeah. And a, f- quite a few antics. Sure. His little fro used to flip around like crazy <laughs> when he... Remember that shit? That was hilarious. I wasn't there. Oh. I'm, I'm considerably right. younger than you, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm talking about the movies or something. I don't know. Whether, isn't there video of him? There is video footage of him. Yeah, of course. Have you not seen any? Uh, <clears throat> you should look that shit I up, I should man. start watching the History Channel, it's I think. It's hilarious. Yeah. But um, no, it goes back to... <coughs> yeah, no, exactly right. It goes back to what... um. I think what I was saying around, you know, you, you, if you're going to be selling to somebody in person on the phone, mm. over email, whatever, mm. you need to come to the table with mm. a genuine desire to help, a genuine um, uh, answer to their problems. Mm. And that needs to come from a place inside you, a place of authenticity. Mm. You need to fucking care. You need to fucking care. That's right. And your EQ, your, yes. your, uh, if you're, if your boss is backing you and your product is good or mm. uh, your, you know, your team around you are happy, mm. it all comes out. It all comes out in That's what you're right. saying and how you're saying it. It yes. comes out in the, in the energy that you put out there, yeah. in how calm you are because you don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to get this because you know you've got another hundred, hundred yes. f- uh, uh, irons in the oven. Yeah, man. And people respond to that. Yeah, yeah. So what, what do you think? I think also that makes a big difference. The company that you're working for, the products that you're selling – and the amount of leads that you've got to call. I think that we've, we've, we've talked about this. You know, when, when the leads are slow and you come in and you've got two leads to call for the day, you, you come, it's hard not to sound desperate. Right? Oh, you, you can, you're kicking the tires, aren't you? Yeah. But I think people can tell when you're not mucking around yeah. because you're the kind of guy that gets a lot of people to speak to a day, yeah. getting a lot of leads, getting a lot of prospects, and you need, to get, you need to get in touch with them as well. Yes. So you're not... You don't have time to muck around. Like you've, no. you've got to get this. You've got to get from them what they want to do. That's right. Success breeds success. <laughs> right. Right. And having yes. that, having that, I don't need to have this, this, you know, fucking nonsense conversation with you. Yes. Uh, so I'm just going to end it here. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, what are we doing here, guy? Are we going to pull the trigger, or are we going to just keep flicking our dicks about this? Right. Right. Having that chat with somebody, it, yes. it, it is. It can be powerful. Yeah. If you say it in the wrong way, obviously it's going to come off as it comes off as um, um, you're an rude. asshole, just rude. You were rude. Yeah. Yeah. Rude. yeah. Um, but if you say it because, again, genuinely, authentically, you need to get to that next thing. You need, yes. you, you know, you do need to wrap this up. You have said all you need to say. Yes. Having said that, as well, though, I, I, um, I've had a few salespeople work for us before who were <clears throat> toxic. 
right? They yeah. were they were horrible, of horrible people. I think sales in general um, attracts that kind of person. Can do that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and but they were wildly successful. Yes, and I think that there's um, motivation that you can get from having uh, either a positive type of motivation where you've got your dream, you've got your vision, you've, you're excited about the endless amount of potential and opportunities that abound, right? Yes. And then there's the other one where you're just so uncomfortable and feel like shit so badly and you're so unhappy with where you're at in your life that you're actually motivated by just trying to desperately get out of where you are mm. and make yourself feel better than you feel right now. Mm. That can be a very powerful driver as well. Absolutely. But what tends to happen with those types of people is that they, um, they make a lot of sales, but a lot of them are very messy and that they cause more problems than they, than they, um, than they solve. And then also whoever they're working with can't stand them anymore mm. and the whole environment will, will suffer as a result of that. And eventually they will, they will have to go. Yes. You know, so <clears throat> I think that um, I've experienced that and I think that there is potentially some success to be had short term from that type of motivation, but it's certainly not, um, it's not uh, sustainable and it's not also the type of energy that you can get really big sales from. Usually they're, they're um, you know, haggle, and pro- yeah. overpromise, undersell, yeah. you know, kind of sales that you get from people like that. So, <clears throat> I think emotions play a big part in all of this. Yes, yeah, I think so too. I think um, it goes back to something that you you've taught me, Billy. Actually, um, that every step of that process, be it a, a, a marketing campaign, an ads campaign, a sales process, um, just a normal day job, every step of that process, it has to work. Mm. For you know, if it's an ad campaign, for that sale to come off, right? Yes. The, whatever it might be, the original audience has to be the right one. The offer has to be on point. Yes. The 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 next step of that to getting that conversion yes. has to work. Yeah. Uh, and if there's a contact with the uh, with the business, it has to be a yes. good experience. Yeah, man. It then has to work for it to come off. Every little thing's got its job, and everything affects everything else. <clears throat> yeah. And absolutely, that's going to play out in terms of the staffing mm. of, of any company. Mm. Uh, and your co-workers yes. and, and making sure you know they are also working together. Yes. It, it has to work. That's right. Uh, there, can, there can be, you know, there can be no um, no gossip and, and toxicity, you know, where, where things need to be out and communicable and open yes. and on the table. Yeah. I think that's crucial. I think it's also something that's very difficult to do when you get above a certain uh, number of, yeah, a certain size. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that... Um, at a certain point, hierarchy becomes crucial. Yes. You know, yeah. you do need that. Um, in fact, in the book Sapiens by um, um, whoever it is that wrote Sapiens, <laughs> he talks about gossip being being the one of the, the, the main, uh, uh, like, originators of language. Like, language came about because we needed, we needed gossip, and we needed gossip because we needed to keep the tribe in line. Yes. And the moment you got to around, the moment, but the, by the time you got to around 100 people in your tribe, yes. uh, gossip was not powerful enough. Yes. Um, because it was, you know, you could, you could only remember so many people, you could only remember what they did, you could only care about so many people. Yes. Uh, emotionally, you could only be invested in, in so many people. Yes. And about a hundred, um, uh, by the time you got to a, a population of a hundred, yep. religion starts to take over. Right. So you now have this, this uh, 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 set of rules, this yes. dogma, uh, that tells you how to live your life. Yes. So instead of, instead of like whispers behind, you know, behind the, Closed doors, fucking hut. Yeah, behind the closed doors, <laughs> fucking hut. Behind the straw hut <laughs> of our ancestors, the, the clay house. Absolutely. Yep. Um, behind the dunny, outdoors, <laughs> the hole, the trench. Yep. Um, with your neighbour <clears throat> or your cousin or your sister or whatever you know about fucking 
Jim yes. and his philandering ways, right? Which, you know, gets around and suddenly Jim's getting ostracised by his missus because, you know. Mm. And he doesn't know why. No, he doesn't know why, yeah. yeah. But he does know why. Jim's not happy. So instead of having the, the you know, the gossip of the town, yes. or the village, I suppose, um, keep you in check. Yes. At a certain size, that, that stops being, just stops being um, um, powerful enough. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, you need this. an overarching kind of um, <clears throat> obje- objective moral law. A set of rules, yes. Right. Yeah. And and uh, apparently from what I've read in certain places, I can't remember where right now, religion played a big part in um, in uh, creating civilizations. Yeah, so right. if you think back to like Greece, uh, you know, ancient uh, Egypt and Rome, it was all centred around um, that kind of thing. Well, when you've got a lot of people with the yes. same target, right, the same end goal, whatever that might be, yes, uh, and religion's a very, very good way, very powerful way of making that happen, yes, giving everybody the same thing to look forward to, yes, the same thing to work towards, that's right, the same, you know, Sunday to the same time to get into church all together, yeah, it's a really good way of like getting everybody to toe the line. Well, it's also the same boundaries and guidelines, yes, right. So, so it it helps people um, understand how to behave, you know, and and I think that, <clears throat> that there's plenty of arguments that have been made on either side of this, but I think intrinsically we don't want to hurt other people naturally. But um, when, And when resources abound, that's kind of a pretty easy thing yes. to, to not do. It's when you start getting scarce with food and shelter yeah. that we, we no longer really give a shit about that. <laughs> and we just try to get more for us and ours, you know. But um, So to bring that back to what we were saying. Yeah, we're um, kind of... When, when things are abundant, when we're all moving in the right direction. When, right. when, the, when your company, your office, your staff, your... your uh, uh, desk mate, your yes. manager, their manager, the company owner, the founder, yes. the person that's just been hired, when every single person is moving in the right direction, moving in the same direction, yes. all within that boundary of, yes. of those you know, moral ethics guidelines, rule and law. You think I should start a religion here, Joe? Is that what you think, man? I'm uh, growing a beard. I think capitalism is the modern religion. Ah, It's the first time in human history that we've been told to, this is again sapiens, Yes, first time in human history where we've been told to do something. Yes. Go out, buy, consume, yeah, make money, and we actually do it. Yes. <laughs> don't don't fuck your wife. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. oh fucked up. Yes. <laughs> don't steal that. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Oh fuck, I stole something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we fell short. Yeah, go buy a new car. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, work harder. Done. And worry only about making more money. Done. Done. <laughs> Done. How good is this Audi? It's great. Yeah. I'm buying it. I need one. Need I'll it. pay it off over. Five years. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. I'll have a loan that's longer than my mortgage. What did Jim Rohn say? He said, man, you can you can sail straight past zero nowadays, man. Yeah. You, can get yourself, you can get yourself in a massive hole, right? <clears throat> so, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we're going to do this again, right? Yes. Cool. Regularly, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for uh, we thanks work for in the We work job. in the same office. We've got this set up here. Yep. It's, uh, it's really, really cool. Uh, cool thing that you're doing, Billy. Uh, I really like it. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how this goes. I think it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I like think it. it's a lot of fun. I'm We've enjoying it. Just past 45 minutes without without blinking. I hope that the people listening think it's a lot of fun too. We'll find out. We'll and we'll get better with time. Yeah. right. Yeah, you know, this is very early in the process. If so. you're listening to this, um, please feel free to leave a comment because I don't know if you can leave comments on these things, but if it's possible, leave the comment, even if it's a trolling comment. I'm happy. I can cop some criticism. You know, I'm happy to cop that or a like. Or any, a follow. Any attention is good attention, Joe. Uh, if you're on Spotify, hit the follow button. Yes. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe. Yes. Any attention is good attention. That's right. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Next topic might also be about sales, potentially digital marketing or growing a business. We'll see. 
might actually be about sales next time. Yes. <laughs> if you are listening to this and uh, we have 50 more podcasts in this series, please don't take this to be any indicator of what the rest of them are going to be. They're going to be much, much better. No, I think it was great. Okay. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>